This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Live. Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 Alright, hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, as always, and I have with me the amazing Brittany. How you doing, Brittany? I'm amazing. I have a, a severe lack of cats lately. Um, I know loving. I'm going to literally wither away. um as always i have lady the dog next to me she is my shadow she does not go anywhere um she is always by my side so it's a good it's a good day you know it's a good day when she's around when you got a dog right yeah exactly exactly um i wanted to start this podcast by asking you and i'm kind of stealing this segment a little from they call this a movie because i thought it would be a little fun um and we probably won't do it every single week but i wanted to ask this week um Brittany, what are you watching no leave me alone don't call me out like this <laughs> well i'll you know i'll i'll go first i'll go first and let you know that recently yesterday we watched both um godzilla versus kong and we watched the new mortal Kombat movie was the was uh godzilla versus kong was that good i actually really liked it um, I saw Skull Island and really enjoyed it. I never got to see Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, and I know that it's like those three movies are kind of one after the other. Um, but I didn't think that I really needed to see Godzilla King of the Monsters to kind of get the story. They kind of explained everything in the beginning. Like, oh, in Godzilla King of the Monsters, Godzilla was the good guy. But now in this movie, he seems like an agitated fucker, and Kong is very much in the hi- like is very much highlighted as the hero in the movie, whereas Godzilla is kind of the villain um, for Godzilla for most dish. of the movie. He is such a dick. There was at some point that Pauline and I were sitting there going like. Why is Godzilla being a dick right now? <laughs> right? I was gonna say he's normally like you know. Yeah, you don't like to be fucked with, but he will save people. Well, and that's what they kept saying in the movie. They were saying he was the savior, he saved us, um, and now he's just running rampant. But it makes sense, especially at the end of the movie. They give a really good explanation as to why Godzilla is being the way he is. And I, I thought it was a well-done movie. Um, you know, when you see those movies... You don't really care about the plot. You just want to see the two monsters go against each other. And you get a lot of that, which is good. It wasn't like a Transformers where 80% of the movie is the humans talking. What? You don't like explosions? You don't like nearly having a seizure? (laughs) Lights going off you? God. Yeah. Michael Bay's movies definitely were like needed epilepsy warnings in the beginning of them. Yeah, they did. 
But yeah. uh, I was going to say, I, I want to see Mortal Kombat. I want to see that one. Lately, I've just been obsessively watching uh, Invincible, and it's kind of a problem. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, having, uh, like, you know, Invincible, he's a cool character. His dad's way hotter, though. It makes me think of, like, uh, Jesse's mom has got it going on, except it's Mark's dad's got it going on. <laughs> um. Yeah, I wanted to highlight that because Brittany's been obsessed with Invincible. She's been bringing it up all the time, which is fine because I'm sure all of you who are out there listening to this are also watching Invincible. It has, I feel like it's taken the internet by storm. I see nothing but good things about Invincible. I know. I was going to say, like, I didn't expect, like, sometimes, you know, when you kind of get it suggested in your YouTube, you're just like, oh, you know, I wonder if anybody else has heard of this. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, people have definitely heard about it. People people know about it. Yeah, our um, own associate, Dom, um, has been watching it and praising it. So I trust Dom. He's our, you know... Uh, designated reviewer at Geek Vice Nation. He literally was just accepted into the Critics' Choice Academy, which is awesome. Um, so I trust his word when he says that it's good. Um, so I definitely have to check out Invincible. But yeah, I want to take that moment to highlight that. That's not what <laughs> the podcast is about today. Um, we are probably less than, what, two weeks away from Mother's Day And I want to kind of get this out there because we love our moms. We love mom figures out there. We just, you know, moms are the best. So we want to do a top 10 moms in TV and movies. I know we've done this before because we like to try to kind of be on the nose with holidays. But I'm sure we have an updated list this time. So it'll be fun. It will be fun. I, cause I was sitting there, I was looking at my list, and I was like, I don't think I put any of these on last time. Yeah, I can't remember, and I didn't go back to watch it. I probably should have. I'm not watch, listened, but whatever. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. You know, um, this Mother's Day is, what, May 9th, I think I saw. Um, so, you know, it, it's cool. You know, you got two weeks to plan to get, you know, Ma something if you haven't gotten Ma anything already. But, yeah. (laughs) Before we get into the list, you know, I always got to give our friends over at Stranger Damies a quick shout out. Um, As I said, I kind of stole their other podcast. They called this movie their segment about what you've been watching beforehand. I thought it was fun. Um, but you know, make sure you listen to both of their podcasts, both Stranger Damies and They Call This a Movie, if you want to hear those guys, and you definitely should because they are entertaining as hell. Mark, Dan, and Anthony are awesome. They do a D podcast, which is Stranger Damies. It premieres every Wednesday. You can check them out over at Stranger Damies on Twitter and Instagram. They're just awesome. They love what they do. They're in the middle of their second campaign. And so make sure you check them out. You can also check out They Call This Movie, where they review bad movies every week. Tell them that Tia and Brittany sent you. And, yeah, they're cool people. So make sure you check them out. But, Brittany, let's get into this top ten moms in TV and movies. Give us your number ten. Let me see here. Let me bring up my list. 
um, one of my cats, uh, Whiskey, decided he really wanted my love, and he decided to try to <laughs> crawl up on the top of my head while I was looking. So, let me see here. I love cats, but golly. Um, I'm going to go, you're going to kind of laugh at me. I'm going to go with, uh, uh I'm going to go with Charlotte from Charlotte's Web. And oh. I have an explanation. Because okay. she freaking became like a, a, basically an adopted mother to, um, Wilbur, right? It was Wilbur, yeah. right? That was when I was like trying not to get the name mixed up. Did you watch Babe growing up? Oh my god, I was just talking about the movie Babe like a few weeks ago where I was trying to ask Polly, like, do you remember that movie? Because I said that'll do pig, that'll do, and he's like <laughs> looking at me like we just get their names mixed up though but you know charlotte was like a great you know mother figure to wilbur and you know you know basically making these uh these webbings so that uh you know that wilbur could live and that was that you know he would be fascinating and too good you know for them to make you know bacon out of and and go through the life cycle and well I don't know. I I know it's gonna be kind of a short one. I was just kind of like looking through, and I was like, that really was just very selfless to try to go out of your way. And she, remember, she worked tirelessly doing that for him. Like because even like with her like last dying breath, basically was trying to make one last like you know web for him so that you know people could be like, look what a pig. You know, like all these little like you know, letterings on the web so that, you know, he could live. And I think at the end, she does make the ultimate sacrifice where she reaches the end of her life cycle. And, you know, and she's telling Wilbur not to cry, but, you know, she ends up using the last little bit too to have her own babies. And, you know, Wilbur raises them because it was kind of like, okay, you took care of me and raised me. I'll raise your babies. And I don't know. I just always thought there was something so sweet and like, Charlotte's voice is so soothing, by the way. And I remember, like, as a kid, I was like, I think at first I was like, ugh, spider. And then I watched it, and I was like, I love spiders. I love them all, especially if they say little piggies. <laughs> um, can I tell you that um, Charlotte's Web made me cry as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> it did because of the whole, because Charlotte was so like what you wanted from a mother figure, you know, like that sounds bad because I had everything with my mom. I still do like growing up, but I mean, like she's just so like her character is just so warm and comforting, which you wouldn't expect from a spider. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, like I said, you know, she, she literally did everything to just make sure he could live. Well, I can't remember what animal was making fun of him. It was like, oh, you know, when you get big and fat, the farmer, you know, is going to come for you. And was like, no, you <laughs> piglet. You know, he was like, horrifying. Just basically like, I got you, baby. I got you, baby. Well, which, you know, it always made me feel bad because growing up you see things like Babe or uh, Charlotte's Web and it, you know, the pig is always so cute and you're like, oh no, that poor pig as you're eating bacon. (laughs) 
I know it was always the worst. I know they say pigs are so incredibly, but I just say I could probably go my entire life without eating pig or like pork. I I'm just not a big fan of it. Um, even bacon, I'm not a super super like you know. For a while there, it was very into love bacon. I mean, I yep. love bacon. Uh. I, mean, I, just, I like bacon. I just say like. Like, I was always like, if I could throw off one animal, it would probably be pork. Sorry, cows. You're kind of, you're kind of mine. Not not to get into, like, an ethical sort of discussion, but I could not give up pig. Like, I could, (laughs) I could give up, I could give up cows because I don't really eat that much beef. Like, I don't really eat hamburgers if I order from shake shack or any of the sort of fast food places i always end up getting the chicken sandwich or i even if i go to a restaurant if they have say a turkey burger option i go with it i'm just not the biggest fan of red meat like that but i eat bacon right um i'm an italian american all of our cold cuts are made out of pig (laughs) (laughs) you know was like a cultural thing too from that aspect because of that but uh but yeah the uh, ham salami supersada mortadello fucking prosciutto pancetta (laughs) oh man it's all pig but yeah i don't know why i just thought that was like looking back through things so i was like you know what charlotte you know I think it goes to show not all mothers are, you know, the ones that give birth to you. You know what I mean? Well, um, first of all, love the way that you started off this number 10. Great job. Um, In the spirit of that, my number nine is also a mother figure. Uh, And it's all like, I think this way, but it's also in honor of the actress Helen McCrory, who unfortunately passed away this past week. Um, You know, she was like 53 years old. She unfortunately had cancer and she played the most amazing aunt, aunt pole from Peaky Blinders. No. And I have, and I have to put her down for the number nine because she was an amazing aunt to all of those guys, and they were not easy <laughs> to, you know, be around. Freaking Tommy, Arthur, John, freaking all of that. But um, what you calls it? She was an. She was. She was a hard ass. I loved her. She was such a badass. Um, just completely amazing but she really cared about all the boys and you know really did everything she could throughout the series to kind of you know just keep the family together and do what she could and then when she even got reunited with her own son Michael like everything she did to try to like have a relationship with him because I don't know if you remember but I believe it was in the second season where she you know, finds out about him and he really at some point didn't want a relationship with her. And he, she really tried everything to make sure that they could have a relationship. And it was just like, I love her character. All right. I loved aunt Paul. Um, you know, it's not just about the character. I like the actress as well. I'm so sad to hear about that's just such a dynamic character to leave behind. And, um, for, 
what, five seasons, we got an amazing character who was a badass and literally just took life by the balls. <laughs> um, yeah, we loved her. And, you know, that is the thing that, you know, she, even though her children were taken away from her, because they were like, oh, she's unfit, which I don't remember her, like, I, I guess, like, at some point, did they say she struggled with drugs or what was it? Or what they, did they just deem her unfit because she was a single mother? You know, and kind of that that kind of aspect. Well, you know, we've seen how she could be, you know, but I wouldn't think that she'd be unfit. But it's like how she never stopped looking for her children. And even then, her son, she didn't force him away because I think that was uh, Tommy's thing was like, hey, he's got a mother that raised him. You know, Mm -hmm. you just can't come in and just take him, you know, which was a good fair point on that, you know. But she did start to lose control of that little fucker throughout the series. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, he wanted to be just like Tommy. But I was going to say um, another aspect. Uh, what was the sister's name again? I can't remember. Ava. Yeah, it, like, in her, uh, like, relationship with her, because especially in that time, you know, with, you know, Mr. Communist Man, you know, getting her pregnant and, you know, in something that was so frowned upon, giving her a choice to get out of it, I think says a lot for that kind of time period, you know, but respected that she wanted to keep the baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also, if I remember correctly, she told Tommy and the others how bad of an idea it was in the first season to let their father back in their lives, which we saw that it didn't go well. Um, and I think she was the one who was mad at Tommy for not having Arthur on his medication. Because if you remember, what was it, the first like two seasons, Arthur was out of control, and he was supposed to be taking medication that Tommy was stopping him from taking because he's like, I need Arthur to be this like bulldog sort of a person. And, you know, Aunt Paul was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's your brother, and he's sick. And you're not allowing him to take what he needs in order to be better. Yeah. Man, like, that was a rough, like, Arthur was bad for a while. And then he just got, he found a, he was, he got he got on the straight and narrow, but he became super good boy. Like, to the point where I was like, is this really even him right now? <laughs> I love the scene where um, Albie, Alfie, is it Alfie? Right? Alfie. Tom Hardy's Alfie. character. Alfie. I don't know why I said Alfie for a second. Um, <laughs> but freaking... Oh, that's because it, that's Kelly's cat, Alfie. <laughs> I was like, but when Alfie was kind of goading Arthur, when Arthur was so good and freaking, uh, you know, Alfie was kind of like teasing him for it, I believe in the third season. And I was like, oh man, you could see Arthur was just stewing. Right, because freaking Alfie about killed him in the first, like second season. <laughs> oh my oh god! My but god. yeah, I loved Aunt Paul. I thought that she was a great character. Is a great character. Um, and you know, it's hard wrangling all of those freaking boys. Shelby siblings. And, oh my god! Every single one of them is like monsters. Exactly. That one of the brothers is dead. Spoiler alert, everyone. But I mean, it's been out a while. Come on now. Can I tell you that I hated when John was killed off because I know. 
<laughs> I didn't really like Michael that much, and I was like, and they gave like Michael a bigger role after John was killed, and I said to myself, ah, come on, we lost John to get more Michael. It should have been the other way around. <laughs> Michael just wanted to be a fucking gangbanger. That's exactly what it was. Like the and violence of it. John's whole thing just cracked me up because didn't he have like nine kids or something? Because yeah, he all already... fucking kids. Because <laughs> he needed a wife. Because the whole thing was before the show, he had already had something like five kids with his wife who passed away. And then they said, okay, well, we'll get you a new wife. And then I think he had like three freaking kids with that. And I was like, this guy, <laughs> just there's like a million of them running around. <laughs> was it, was it like, okay, like he lost his wife and I think she lost her husband. And they were like, this is a marriage of convenience. I think he was forced to marry her because she was from like a gypsy faction that was having problems oh, with Tommy. Yes. Oh, because they were like, I remember. And yeah, it was because they were like, and they're like, your kids need a mother. Yeah, exactly. And I think Paul was the one also who was pushing him, saying, your kids need a mom. So, but yeah, that's the number nine. Um, love Peaky Blinders, such an amazing show, and of course, rest in peace, Helen, you left a phenomenal legacy behind, but uh, Brittany, what's your number eight? I'm gonna go with Miss Honey from Matilda. Oh, yes. <laughs> hmm? Did you watch Matilda growing up? Girl, I'm the nostalgia queen. Of course I watched Matilda. Oh my god, I was so good. For those that may have not have seen Matilda, Matilda was great because it's about a little girl who's born into a severely, uh, how would you say, negligent family. Uh, her father's a crook. He owns like a car dealership, like the used cars. And he purposely sabotages them so that they will have to come buy another car from him. Which I don't know how that goes. Because if somebody sold you a lemon, would you not not go back to the same place? I mean, or uh, you get what I mean. It's all. It, it wasn't a good logic. Yes. And, you know, the mother was very shallow, very like, I have to be beautiful. I'm, I'm gorgeous, baby, kind of like personality. And they have a son who definitely gets preferential treatment, probably because he's a lot like them. Well, you know, Matilda's brilliant. She loves to read. You know, I don't think they were really taking her to school. She's not given the opportunity to really flourish you know, mentally, and she ends up, you know, getting, I think, like, her brother's books or, like, you know, books, and then she ends up going to the library when she's, like, four years old, like, walking her little self over to the library. Like, she's incredibly smart. Thing is, is, though, she starts, uh, she begs her parents to be able to go to school, which I don't know why it took her so long to be able to be allowed to go to school, you know, because she begs them. She begs them to take her to school, and which is really depressing. And so uh, she ends up going to school. She ends up having a very amazing teacher named Miss Honey, who's dealing with her own abusive situation where her, uh, was it, was it her, her dad's sister or sister-in-law? I can't remember. I can't remember. It's been so 
so long since I've seen the movie. Yeah, I think it's like her aunt, actually. I think her aunt ends up, you find out later on, yeah, she murdered her father because he was very wealthy, ended up inheriting all the stuff uh, until, like, Miss Honey was supposed to come of age. But the thing is, is though, Miss Honey is so under control that she can't really get those things back. You know, I think she basically was controlling the will or something like that. Well, Miss Honey is so supportive of Matilda. She gets her books, tells her she's beautiful, tells her, you know, you know, that she's perfect, that she's just, you know, everything that she really needed from a mother figure. And they really deserve each other because Matilda, on her aspect, she's trying to get something back, I think, for Miss Honey uh, in the home. It kind of fast forwards. Miss Honey, uh, well, the parents, oh, also played by Danny DeVito, uh, um, end up going on the run from the law. Uh, Matilda begs them to sign the adoption paper so Miss Honey could adopt her instead, and they live happily ever after. And it was just very sweet to have, uh, you know, Miss Honey adopted her without, like, a second thought. She was just like, yes, this is my baby. I, I This is my baby now. And, you know, what was, like, really, like, fascinating about it is they didn't have, like, a romance for Miss Honey. It was just someone that was a single person wanting to have a child and showing that it was like, you know, single mothers can be a single mother by choice and just wanting, you know, someone to love and take care of. And oh no, I just thought it was really sweet. Really quick, you know who the parents in Matilda remind me of? Who? Did you ever watch James and the Giant Peach growing up? No, I did not. I used to always see the commercials play on the VHS, and I would always like be like, "That looks good." <laughs> you said the parents suck, though. The ants suck. The whole thing is that his parents, James's parents, are killed in the beginning of the movie, so he has to go live with his aunts, and they're the most horrible, horrific women you have ever seen. So it kind of, and in that movie, James has like a you know mother figures in that so it just reminded me of it really quick but i love matilda you know why i love matilda <laughs> because i wanted powers <laughs> growing up i was like oh oh yeah i did i did like to just say that she uh she has telekinetic powers <laughs> yeah she has telekinetic powers it's so funny you bring up matilda because i saw a meme on Instagram, which was the scene of Matilda and her friend watching um, what was the kid who had to eat the cake and everything. And the, uh, the entire confection. And, and the caption was, kids these days will never know how tense this scene was. And it's like, do you remember when they were, the woman was like, I made it with my blood, sweat, and tears. And you really believe that it was made with her blood. <laughs> She's like, well, that's why, like, the entire confection comes from. Because, like, Miss Trunchbull, or whatever the hell her name was, is like, you must finish the entire confection. And the old lady's like, the entire confection. That's <laughs> like, always used to make me laugh as a kid. No, but I really liked um, Matilda. My, I thought it was so like okay. I'm trying to get my words together. The best thing that her real parents ever did was sign away her adoption papers for Miss Honey. And, and, you I know. know, she pretty much was like, 
you guys are shit parents and literally the kindest thing that you could ever do is just let me be this woman's daughter. <laughs> and, you know, and I could, I don't know if you remember looking back, you kind of saw a moment where like the mom kind of looked as if she was hesitant because maybe then she was realizing like, well, this is my daughter and I have been shit to her. But then them finally realizing that we can never provide her the life that she wants. And so that I just remember that scene just being so good at the end, when, especially when you watch it for the first time and you're like, yes, Matilda gets to have this beautiful life with Miss Honey. It's amazing. Miss Honey had that little cottage. I remember oh my God, so cute between the name like i don't know mrs honey like what 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 miss honey's uh first name was i gotta look it up because it's gonna bother me miss miss honey matilda i don't know if they they had oh her name was jennifer jennifer honey and her father was magnus honey and i always thought that freaking uh oh and it was his uh her step it was, uh, she's the step-niece of Agatha. Oh, uh, okay, Agatha's okay. a badass fucking name, though. Hell yeah. <laughs> you didn't watch WandaVision, but it was Agatha all along. <laughs> Agatha all along. Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, even though I haven't seen it. I, I've seen the memes. The memes. <laughs> I've seen the memes, dude. Uh, quick spoilers for... Uh, WandaVision, there's a neighbor called Agnes, and she gets revealed as this villain, Agatha Harkness, and there's literally a song that gets played when the big reveal happens, and it literally is like, it was Agatha all along. <laughs> oh, shit. It was, it was a bop. Like, just like the Witcher toss a coin to your Witcher was a bop, it was Agatha all along was a bop. <laughs> Dude, now I feel like I need to be watching this. Well, I need to watch it anyways. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I was gonna say, girl, get on it. But um, I yes, Miss Honey from Matilda, amazing. I love Matilda. I want to go back and rewatch it. Um, I get scared sometimes because I think of that movie so fondly, and I hope that as an adult. I don't feel a different way. It, it 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 aged well, Tia. It aged well. Oh, did you watch it recently? Uh, uh, well, not super recently, but I've watched it so many times as like a young adult. Like I'm still a young adult, but like in my like very very early twenties, like 2021, I had mm. rewatched it. It was still just as good. Oh, okay, good, awesome. Um, so great number eight. I'm gonna hit number seven. Um, and I'm gonna get another mother figure and this might be a little unconventional but i too was trying to pick ones that i hadn't remembered if i had picked or not last time um and i'm gonna do red from orange is the new black (laughs) a very unconventional mother but if you remember in the show they referred to her as mom and mother and especially the relationship that she had with Nikki, right? That was her name? Yeah. Uh, the relationship that she had with Nikki was very much one of a mother and a daughter, especially because, so like, Red was the mother hen, extremely protective of her girls. 
we saw throughout the seasons that if anyone was fucking with the girls who were under her care, she had a huge problem with it. Um, she had a huge problem with drugs, right? That was one of her things with Nikki. That she also she... tried to starve Pep, uh, Pipe, Pe- not Pepper, Piper. Oh, but that was hilarious. I'll get to that in a sec. I was going to say that, um, you know, she got Nikki off of drugs, and anytime she heard that, you know, someone was trying to get someone back on drugs, she had a problem. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, she was a badass mother hen. Um, yeah, it was. If- if you haven't watched Orange is New Black, I mean, it's been on for years. And the first episode was so hilarious to me because you have Piper, who we did mention last week when we did our top 10 worst couples. And we mentioned Alex and Piper. And we mentioned how entitled Piper always was. So Piper gets to jail. And obviously, jail food is not good at all so she's sitting with nikki and a few of the other girls and she sees red handing them all yogurts and she hands piper yogurt because she assumes like oh well piper's gonna be part of my crew now and piper goes oh thank you the food is awful here and you find out and you find out that red um controls the kitchen and then literally for what a whole episode afterward (laughs) piper cannot eat and the thing is, like, everyone listens to Red. When yeah. Piper when Piper goes to get food, no one serves her. And then even the other inmates won't even give her anything because they're like, no, Red said you are persona non grata. You get nothing. <laughs> well, what's persona non grata? What does that mean? Oh, God. Um, I have to look it up because it was just one of those things where I, you always say you, like, know what it means. yeah, yeah. No, I remember saying it, but I was like, man, I was like, I never figured out what that actually meant. It means an unacceptable and unwelcomed person. Oh, shit. (laughs) So, you know what I'm saying? Um, But, uh, yeah, I loved Red. I don't know. I I know this is a stretch and it's kind of weird, but I was thinking about it. I love it because, you know, that was part of the reason she got so protective when... uh, Oh, porn stash! You know he he gave that girl the drugs and made it yeah. look like she hung herself. And you know, Red really cared about that girl. I can't remember her name off the top of my head because she died so early on into the series. Yeah. But it was that was very depressed. That really deeply affected her because she worked so hard to get that girl clean, and that's why she was so upset with porn stash because when he started to take control like he did. And making her funnel in drugs. That was our whole big thing was making these girls not be on drugs. And then being a part of it was very hard. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of her problems, remember in season two, V, the like villainous woman who gets hit, who gets Uh, hit by a car at the end. (laughs) Oh God, the one that was like the mom figure to Tasty Tasty but wasn't V having them do like bad things such as smuggling drugs? And I think Red had a problem with that because she's like, you're supposed to be a good mother figure, you know, to these girls and you're not being one. Like you're no. instead making them worse. Um, I could have sworn that that was a reason too why Red had a problem with V. I also remember that they used to be friends. So they had like a lot of history. 
That's crazy. Everybody's interconnected to you. <laughs> but yeah, so I like Red from Orange is the New Black as a mother figure. Um, she may be a scary Russian lady who is in prison for, you know, I never really understood what Red was in prison for, but Red, uh, Red was uh, starting to get, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, she was a part of, I think her husband had a restaurant or like some kind of like yeah. deli shop that the Russian mob would like frequent quite often. They, and I they think- extorted them. Yeah, yeah, they started, and I think she started to get big with them. But the thing was, is that the the Russian mobsters' wives were so you know petty towards Red, you know, and making her feel like less than nothing. And Red started to really get in with the Russian mob and become like you know someone within it. But she ends up like I think getting into an altercation with one of the Russian mobsters' wives. And pushes her, and it ruptures her uh, her breast. Her <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so she got I, I feel like that's not enough to be because they make it seem like Red has been in prison for a really long time, and as if she's say never going to you know get out of yeah, prison. I don't think it would have killed that girl, but I think maybe uh, if it's Russian mobsters, which are notorious for bribes. You know, and they were in those type situations. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, I doesn't she start like yelling at the other mobster wife? She's like, it was fucking funny. It's a joke because <laughs> she's trying to say this joke. Because you know, you could tell she's a little more brass uh, than the others. They're very posh and stuck up, and they're like, no, we don't get your humor. Um, yeah, I love. They were her. very waspy to her. Yeah, uh, our world of the day again, Tia. <laughs> But yeah, so red from Honors and New Black is my number seven. Brittany, what is your number six? Let me see here, my friend. Um, we're getting very posh sounding here. Uh, yeah, it's very posh. Because I ended up doing, um, you know, Miss Honey, but I'm trying to think of who else I want to do because I have three more, correct? See. I'm going to go with kind of a silly one. Um, oh, is that who I want to do, though? Oh, there's too many, Tia. There's too many. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Andy's mom. I wanted to put that a little bit lower, but I got too excited over the others. Andy's mom was, like, pretty good. Like, you know, there's the point where she's, like, that dude wants to buy Woody so badly, right? Yeah. And... You know what? I don't want to use this one. I was going to go with Andy's mom. But that was going to be a quick one. Shit. But my other one I don't remember as well. Maybe you remember it as well, Tia. But uh, I was torn between these are the two I was going to say. Either Andy's mom, Mrs. Brisby from uh, oh, what was it called? Um, oh, what was it called? Wait. What's that movie called? Give me a second. My other two are really strong. <laughs> it's just this one. I cannot remember. From The Secret of Nim. <laughs> I never saw that. <laughs> Tia! Tia! Have you never watched The Secret of Nim? And my other was Helen Parr from The Incredibles. 
Uh, I never saw The Incredibles. (laughs) Bitch. Bitch. Okay. Uh, You know what? I know who I'm going to go with. Give me just a second. I just have to, like, remember her name real quick. Because I always just called her the mom from Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lois, Lois Wilkerson. Okay. I'm going to go with Lois Wilkerson. Because <laughs> as a child watching Mal- Malcolm in the Middle, so Lois was always, like, very intense, right? Like, very, like, the one was, like, do not anger the mother, you know, type character. Like, you don't go against the family type mom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I always used to sit there because you had Hal, who's kind of like, you know, who ended up on My Best Fathers, right? Played by Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the whole time as a kid, I was like, man, she's such a hard ass. She's so mean, you know, but as an adult, she has four fucking little monster children. Actually, I think by the end of the series, she ends up having five sons who are all little fuckers that are also all getting into trouble, causing, you know, like, like thousands of dollars worth of damage, like every episode, the shit they're getting into. And, you know, she's working, I think, at a grocery store, and I can't remember where Hal works, but, you know, them trying to exist together, and you're like, shit, she's having to put up with a lot. And I think there's even an episode where Lois is like, you know, I would love to be the fun parent and i would love you know to not be such a hard ass but you know someone has to do it and you know i'm trying to take care of all of you you know you'll understand when you're older you know that's why i can't always be so fun loving and i thought that spoke a lot because you want to be like hard on her you know for being like oh the evil mom like because there's parts where hal is like i will pay you not to tell your mother that this happened because i don't want to hear her scream you know (laughs) but you realize i think at some point like she the overtime that she's putting in just so that they can make it you know um like I said, her children are fucking awful. I love all the kids from it. Yeah, Dewey and Reese and Malcolm and uh, and Francis. That was what the other one was called. And I don't know. I just thought it was sweet that it's like, you know, there are some times where you're like, God, mom's a real fucking hard ass. Like, holy shit. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it's because uh, they want to survive and they want to do what's best for us. But. Oh no! I, I as an adult, I way more enjoy her because when I was a kid, I like I still loved her as a kid, and I was like, man, she's so mean. And you're like, oh yeah, her children are worthless. <laughs> no, I um, I never saw Malcolm in the Middle, <laughs> which is a shame. But I can just imagine, um, you know, I feel as if that's a trope that we see a lot oh the nagging mom right but then I think as you get older you probably sit there and realize that you kind of have to be like that especially if you have those rowdy of children so um I think that a lot of people probably as they got older kind of had more of an appreciation or at least an understanding as to why Lois was the way she was yeah well that's like you know, I do love when they kind of explain like that. There's even, like, I think that show is really good for showing, like, even, like, um, you know, Hal at some point, I think he remembers to do something for her, or it was something sweet, where she's so upset, and she goes, no, that can't be, 
because if, if that's true, that means, you know, you love me more. Because I think it was like she forgot something important and he didn't forget it and she was upset about it. And he's like, of course I love you more. He's like, and that's not wrong. He goes, that just, he goes, but that's what I want. You know, like it was explaining like there's you two people can't love each other equally. He that he was super fine you know, being the one that took care of her. Cause I think that was the thing is he was a lot more of the, the nurturing sort. And he's like, and that's just kind of our place in life. And, you know, cause they both still loved each other. It was just that she had a lot on her and, you know, expressing it in a certain way. And he was fine with that. No, no. I just thought that was really sweet as a kid. Aww. Yeah. I love it. I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. And I know that Malcolm in the middle um, like holds a really good place in people's hearts, especially in our age bracket. Um, I, know. I don't know why. So, I can't believe you never watched it. I really think I say this a lot, but I really think it's because when I was younger, I was still watching. I was still watching cartoons when everyone else in my age bracket started watching more live action things because they thought to themselves, oh, well, that's what we have to do. We can't be watching cartoons anymore. We want to be cool kids. And I knew that I was never going to be a cool kid. So I continued watching my freaking anime. <laughs> All right. Well, I try to remember. I think I only started watching because mom would put it on in the morning. So that and Golden Girls. Oh, thank you for being, being a friend. A friend. <laughs> oh, God. Gia. No, what have you done? Travel down the road and back again. <laughs> started. I have that song known by heart. Your heart is true. You're a pal <laughs> and a hospital. <laughs> no, okay, let me stop. Get out of here. Have you seen? seen the tiktok of the one guy who kind of goes crazy while singing the theme song no i have not oh my god it's a it's on tiktok and now people use the voice thing when and it's supposed to be uh when i invite my friends over and we watch golden girls and it's just them like freestyling to the song and the friend looking at them like what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on inside their head? And yeah. like, what's going on inside their head? Oh my god. But yeah, I love it. Good choice for number six. I'll take number five. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Olivia Benson from SVA. Oh, that's a good one. Look because- at you. <laughs> um, I know, so obviously Olivia Benson since, God, what season was it? Like season 16, I think, um, had Noah, right? But before I get into the Noah part, hang on one sec. I got to look because I forget the kid's name. Uh, Yeah, okay. Um, So before Noah, right, seasons beforehand, I want to say like, season nine or eight or something like that right she actually had this other kid named calvin um who she wasn't she didn't officially adopt him right the whole thing was that really quick backstory because that's not really where i'm going at with this one but the whole thing is that you know, Olivia found out that she had another sister out there. And the sister was a drug addict. So the sister drops off her kind of already teenage son at 
Benson's, but Benson really loves Calvin and she takes really good care of him and really just like treats Calvin like her own until yeah. until um freaking like a time goes by when you find out that this girl actually isn't Benson's sister. They thought that they had the same dad. Um, and then the mom comes back and takes Calvin and like Benson's super devastated. Um, so there's that. But then, yeah. And then seasons later, Olivia Benson adopts Noah, who's the child of this like drug addict. I think she was also like a forced prostitute. She unfortunately gets killed. And so there's no one to take care of Noah. Noah keeps bouncing from foster family to foster family until Benson like finally says, you know, I'll take the baby. And then she officially adopts Noah. She is such a good mom. And not for nothing, Noah is a little shit. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like a little monster at some point. He was having like severe like behavioral issues at some point in the show, I think. He was because, and I see this a lot too online where people say, can we just get Calvin back? Because Calvin was an angel like compared to Noah. Not that he was a bad kid. Um, You know, he obviously was a little older and I guess could comprehend things a little more and knew that his mom was like down a rat- bad path. So you kind of liked Calvin's dynamic with Benson better, but Noah was a little shit. And I know you can say, Oh, well, little kids throw temper tantrums. I just feel like Noah specifically was throwing temper tantrums. I couldn't stand him, but Benson still a good mom because out of the kindness of her heart, she took this kid in when, you know, no one else wanted him and she had, you know, dedicated like 110%, even to the point where, like, I don't know if you remember, but when Benson first was fostering Noah, the, you know, child protective care people kept giving her shit because she's also a detective for SVU. So she obviously has to work and they would be given her shit for not being there for Noah and all that. But she was such a good mom. And there even seemed at some point where she was like, do I have to quit the force just to be a parent? You know that she would have, because that's how good of a parent she is. For such a shit little kid. For such a shit kid. I remember there was one episode where she said, because I'm like, oh yeah, he is a kid, but I'm also like, fuck that kid. No. (laughs) Sometimes when they do episodes and they have no, I'm like, oh god, stop it. I hate this kid. (laughs) Never mention the child ever. Yeah, exactly. Which is wrong because he, as you said, is a kid, but no, I hate him. Fuck that kid. But Benson's so good. Um, my favorite is there's an episode where um, the episode clearly was dealing with the whole fact that a lot of parents weren't vaccinating their kids. So Benson was dealing with this woman who didn't believe in vaccinating her kid and then her kid got Noah sick and it looked like for a second Noah wasn't going to make it. And Benson and Benson just like turned into ultra protective mom. She was like, I'm mom first and detective later. And she, I swear, almost bitch slapped this woman. And I loved it so much. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That would have been a way, good way to write him off, though. 
I almost thought the same thing. <laughs> We're gonna wrote this motherfucker off. People are gonna be like, wow, these two girls are messed up. They're trying to like kill this kid. I feel like I'm kind of an OG SVU fan, so I had to. But, um, you know, I haven't watched a whole lot of it. But yeah, Benson is just such a good mom. She continues being a good mom. Yeah, she does. She is a great mom. I just. <sighs> I don't know if like, like having a million fucking babies, which I know she's having babies IRL. So it's fine. I get it. I get it. But I still think it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, she's pregnant again. Have you? No, that's. Um... Wait, Benson? Or are you talking about Rollins? Because Rollins. I'm talking about, about Rollins. I'm talking about Rollins. Yeah. Rollins, which, um, yeah, Rollins is a good mom too. I think Carisi <laughs> is a better, I think Carisi is a better stepdad to her kids than. Right? <laughs> Dude, she keeps getting with fucking deadbeats. I know. She never gets with the wrong, with the right guys when the right guy is just standing in front of her. Is their baby always has been. Like, open your eyes, girl. Open your eyes. Carisi <laughs> for days. Dice, but um so yeah, uh freaking whatchamacallit calls it, Creasy's definitely the better stepdad to Rollins kids. Fucking but <laughs> I was also going to say that really quick, have you watched the reunion between Benson and Stabler? I have not. I heard you said it was good though, like it was very like like the, the way that they gotta see each other again after so long, which I thought was a good way to do it. Because how do you make these two people meet, you know, uh, organically after so long? Well, my whole thing that I had thought, like I had said that, um, you know, it's weird seeing Stabler and Benson back together, and it kind of does feel like time has passed. But I kind of like that. I like that it isn't oh, no time has passed at all. Like, a lot of time has passed. And it's awkward. But I like that it's awkward. Because, you know, when Stabler left, that really hurt Benson. So I'm glad that it's not just, oh, look, they're back together and everything's buddy-buddy. And they're picking right back up where they left off. It's like, no, um, they're not at all. So I do appreciate that. But the one thing I want to say was, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it, they kill off Stabler's wife right away. And Stabler has... Oh, did you not know they kill off Stabler's wife? That's how Benson and Stabler reunite. Benson's just driving one day and sees this whole big, like, car crash. And she stops to be like, hey, I'm law enforcement. Can I help? And then she sees that it's Stabler's wife, wife, Kathy, because she knew Kathy. And she's like, Kathy? And that's how they reunite. And then Kathy dies at the end of the episode. And Stabler has, like, five kids. <laughs> so, freaking, um, even Benson is such a good, like, I guess, you know, woman model in their life to try and console them because she knows them all. Um, so I'm just saying, Benson is amazing. She's the best mom. You know, um, it's kind of fucked up, though, that they're just like, yeah, good she did. She did. And you know what's crazy? Like, 
So obviously Christopher Maloney, who plays Stabler, they brought him back. But they, as someone, again, who is a big time watcher of the show, they brought back everyone else. They brought back the actual actress who played Kathy and the actual actors who played his kids. So it's really messed up if they contacted the actress and they're like, hey, do you want to play Kathy again? It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, what? is my role now. Oh, well, we're going to kill you off. <laughs> we're bringing you back to kill you off. <laughs> we love a good death, Tia. We love a good death. But, yeah. So, Olivia Benson is my number five. Brittany, what's your number four? I'm going to go with... You're kind of going to laugh at me, okay? Okay. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. Kala from uh, Tarzan. Tarzan's mother. Oh, because you got to think about uh, what was his name? Kojak. Who was the dad? Yeah, the dad who was fucking pissed because (laughs) not for nothing. Tarzan was fucking brutal. You watch like uh, they you don't watch it, but you see the fucking uh, like Tarzan's dead parents lying in the corner of the room and the blood on the floor, and then you get to see little baby, poor little baby, like gorilla get eaten by the fucking leopard. Holy shit! I remember that scaring the shit out of me as a kid. I was like, oh, they're fine. I you know as a kid, I don't think you fully like accept what just happened. Um. You know, and Kala's, you know, definitely grieving. Here's a, you know, a baby crying. And even though they're not the same species, ends up, you know, adopting him. No matter, you know, Kojak was still, you know, you start to realize how much he was dealing with the loss of his child. You know, when you think, oh, you know, he doesn't care. You know, he's a gorilla. What do they care? And it's like, no, it pretty, you know, messed with him pretty good. You know what I mean? Um... So he's dealing with that, and it's like she's dealing with the fact that she had to freaking risk her life. She's dealing with the fact that she lost her baby, too. And, you know, we do see throughout, you know, the movie just how deep her love is. Because she has that part where, uh, you know, he's like, you know, Tarzan when he's a child. And he's like, you know, throwing the mud on himself and just feeling like such an outcast. And, you know... He's like, I'm not like y'all, you know, I'm, I'll never be one of you. And, and she's like, well, you have two ears like me and you have two eyes like me and that two feet like me. She's like, you know, really, we're not so different. And I think it was just really trying to, you know, make a point there where she's like, no matter how you look, you're still my child. No matter, you know, anything, you're still my child. And oh no, I just thought it was so sweet and sincere. It's very emotional. Um, I love Tarzan, by the way. That movie was brutal because if you remember, not only do you see the blood of the dead parents, but the end when the bad guy literally (laughs) hangs himself. I mean, that's brutal. Um, I'm laughing. It's fucked up. But I I really love Tarzan. I love the relationship that him and Kala had. It was so beautiful. You're right. That scene where she points out the similarities between them was just so great. Um, I kind of in I kind of ended up liking 
was it Cujo or Kuzak? I forget yeah, what Kojak. you said. I think it was Kojak. Kojak, okay. Yeah, I ended up liking him uh, at the end, even though in the beginning you're like, why is he such a hard ass? But I think you understood him, especially as you get older. Mm. Um, because I guess to him, he's like, I'm still grieving our child. And my wife is just so easily accepting this human boy who, you know, he's a human. <laughs> Not only are they the wrong species, but also his species are what's killing us and destroying the forests and everything. And so you kind of understood. And humans are actually the worst. So. <laughs> we are the worst, to be fair. You know, to and be also, fair. you know... He keeps trying to make that point to Tarzan. I hate when he finally earns, like, uh, Tarzan earns his respect because, you know, he ends up killing the leopard. Oh, and... that was such a good scene! Yeah, but, but thinking, like, uh, but then, right, it turns around and, you know, he brings, you know, uh, Jane to see them and it's, like, instant disrespect. And he's like, you know, you're meant to protect us. And it's like, oh, all you ever want is to earn is love. And you finally got it. And now there's this bullshit happening. Do you kind of look back and you go, fucking Jane. (laughs) Fucking Jane, right? Because doesn't the bad guy kill him? Yeah, uh... That's what I'm saying. It's like... You dumb shit, Tarzan. <laughs> right. Oh, poor Tarzan. I know. Poor Kojak. But I... <laughs> poor everyone in that movie. <laughs> poor everyone. Holy shit. They really, like, I... the dad was such an idiot, by the way. Not not Tarzan's dad, but Jane's dad. I, I know. <laughs> um, Fucker. But, uh, which one calls it? By the way, wasn't the best scene in that movie when they have the musical number, uh, like by the camp and everything, and it's uh, Rosie O'Donnell's character. I loved her. <laughs> by the way, were you also, did you watch how they made that scene? Like, there was something I did. Show did it. Now, it made me love that scene even more when they're explaining, you know, how they made the sounds for it by actually like beating real instruments. And I, as a kid, I was like, no way. And I'm like, well, obviously, now as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, they had to make a sound somehow, but there's something so much better hearing it that way. <laughs> there's another great thing on TikTok where it's supposed to be, say, the studio person speaking to Phil Collins, and they're like, all right, Phil, we're just going to bring you in. It's a Disney movie. You don't have to go that hard. And then it's Phil Collins just, you know, breaking out the most amazing songs and the studio people just like like, shocked. I I want to know. Dude, it was so intense. I was like, dang, dude. It's a fucking like, not a dude being raised by gorillas. It's like, Phil, you don't have to go as crazy. It's a Disney movie. And Phil's like, I only know one speed and that's crazy oh shit (laughs) but anyway sorry uh kala kala from tarzan is an amazing choice oh god so you were putting out such good ones i definitely want to go back and rewatch tarzan i love it i love when i was looking through i was like you know what that was a good fucking mom i'm here 
for it. I'm definitely here for it. So, yes, Kala from Tarzan. I'm going to hit the next one. I know that I did this on my last list, but I kind of don't care because I love her so much. And it's going to be Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Yes, that's a great one. (laughs) Oh, Bobby. (laughs) But yeah. I um, every single fucking time though every time you're not the only one I, like Cindy and Brian always say that Linda Belcher reminds them of my mom and my mom has no idea who she is so I try and explain and she's like okay <laughs> uh, like you mean it as like the greatest compliment but you're afraid the person <laughs> will find it insulting Oh no, I definitely know my mom's like confused as hell and she's like, should I be insulted? It's like, no, it's such a good compliment. You have no idea. <laughs> but um, you know, Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers is just a, such a phenomenal mom. First of all, she loves Bobby, right? With all her heart. Um, she is so like such a fun character. She goes with the flow. She loves her kids despite how effing weird they are. And they are weird. (laughs) They are the three weirdest children ever. But she loves them and she accepts them. Like whenever Tina is going through her crazy teenage puberty shit, she just like goes with it. Um, there was one episode where Linda, like Albeit it's not the best advice, but it came from a really good place where she was telling Tina to not be ashamed of her freaky fan fiction and instead she should read it out loud to the whole school. Oh, and you're like I, And you're like, I get where you're going with this, Linda. That wasn't the best advice, but at least you're supportive. Um, My mom was like, Go read your fan fiction at school. I'd be like, Lady, are you trying to like kill me? Are you trying to <laughs> ruin the non-existent school career I have here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But she's like, you know, she's super supportive of Gene and his musical career, which I don't think Gene is a very good musical person. But again, Linda just being that rock star mom, you know, and even like with Louise, she knows that you know, Louise is more of a daddy's girl. She's like, have you ever seen the episode where she takes Louise to that mommy and me sort of, um, one with the vagina. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And at the end, when they're doing the laser tag and Linda says to Louise, I just wish you liked me. And I was like, I want to cry. This is so not right. Doesn't she go like, you know, that she does like her? She just like, what was it? I mean, Louise is kind of like, I love you. You're my mom. But you have to accept that we're different. The things that you do with Tina aren't the same things that I'm going to enjoy. You know, like you have to understand that. Hmm? She's such a daddy's girl. Yeah, exactly. But... You know, and then the best thing is like Linda is such um, a protective mama bear too, though, because anytime she finds out that something happened with her children, like 
the one episode where she finds out that freaking Louise was, uh, oh, no, when she finds out that Tina was being bullied by Tammy, she gets so angry. Or when she finds out that Louise was being, like, bullied by Logan, she gets so freaking mad, you know? Or when she finds out that um, Jimmy Jr.'s dad called her kids weird. Like, she's so good. I love Linda. I love really Linda love from Boston. We love Linda. Yeah, Linda. I love that whole family, though. Bob is great, too. <laughs> Bob is great. When you're like, dude, this seems a little stressed out, but it's like, oh, yeah, it's because he's uh, trying to give his family, you know, everything they need in life. Linda's so funny when she's like, uh, she's like, mommy doesn't get drunk. She gets fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. That, that, I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> she's i don't know she's just hilarious i stand linda so much the and i um i was looking before we did this at list right of what other people were saying of who they think are good moms in tv and movies and i saw some people putting say like lois and shit like that and i was like from so family guy yeah, I, I didn't understand that. I thought Lois is a horrible mom, but I guess to each his own. But I said to myself, nah, it's all about Linda. Like, oh, I, Linda. I, and I love that, by the way, about the show Bob's Burgers, because it is really wacky and crazy. But they at least show a loving family, because you definitely don't get that in Family Guy. Like, they're all horrible to each other. Even though Meg is pretty fucking awful as the series goes on, she does some freaky shit. That's what I'm saying. They're all crazy. And same thing with American Dad. Um, so to me, it's nice that you have this weird, wacky cartoon, but the and the family's weird as shit, but they still are this loving family that at the end of the day would do anything for each other. Well, and I love it. No, I, I agree. I like it. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, my number three is Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Uh, Brittany, what is your number two? Uh, I am going to go with Fantine. I, I hope I'm saying your name correctly from Le Mis. Yeah, have you um, seen Le Mis? Yes, of course. I was going to say that's the uh, mother of, oh, God, what's her name? Uh, Cosette? What's her name, Cosette? Which one is the one that Anne Hathaway cries for, like, uh, the whole time that she's on screen? Yes, well, I was going to say, because Fantine is the mother of her. Like, Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, she's the mother. Because you find out, you know, Fantine, you know, she fell in love with a man, and, you know, who promised he was going to marry her and love her. And before getting married, because, you know, during those times, it was very, 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 very frowned upon and ends up, you know, pregnant out of wedlock and ends up having a daughter. Well, she ends up ended working at a factory. Um, I think, like, uh, she got preferential treatment because the, uh, the boss, who was really a hard ass, really liked her and was very fond of her. And uh, I think she was, like, lying about the situation with her daughter or nobody knew. And the women there were really, uh, were really petty and out that, you know, she has a child out of wedlock and she ends up getting fired. And this is during, you know, the 
oh god was it during the french no it is this the french revolution the french revolution yeah and which is funny coming from me i fucking love the french revolution but i sat there i was like wait a second you know so it's a time where everyone's starving you know she's fairly sure you know her and her child are going to starve um and, you know she has the scene you know where you know she sings about you know she wanted so much more from life but you know just a series of unfortunate events led her down this path and you know she she just wants to take care of her daughter and she ends up you know letting them take her hair you know to make a wig from it and get the money from it there's a scene where she lets them take some of her teeth you know just to be able to afford and then you know ultimately she ends up becoming a prostitute and you know and that was the big thing about uh when Hugh Jackman's character you know ends up you know being with her for her last you know dying moments you know she wants him to go find her daughter i think that it's been a long time since then when this because so i could be getting things wrong but you know he goes after her daughter because you find out you know uh she couldn't take care of her so she sent her to live with these uh these like Oh, oh, these horrible people, right? Uh, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. breakfast type situation, right? I don't know mm. if that's what they would have called it. Um, you know, and you find out Anne Hathaway's character, you know, Fantine, you know, she's been doing all these things, letting, you know, you know, prostituting herself, doing, you know, like losing everything just to afford for them to take care of her child and send them money. I think they, that was it, like, I think she had sent her off to live with them, even though she was working, but, you know, pretending that she didn't have a child, basically, to be able to still work, which, and that's so crazy that you wouldn't be allowed to have a job just because, you know, you had a child out of wedlock, like, how insane is that? But, uh, you know, and you find out they swindled away all that money, none of that money went to that child, because it was supposed to be, like, enough to you know, uh, take care of her, you know, they kept saying, oh, she needs more, she needs, you know, new clothes, she needs more food, and it's like, she's just starving, and, you know, being so mistreated and abused, and, you know, and Hugh Jackman's character does ultimately save her and raise her as his own, uh, but it's so fucking sad, like, you know, it's just the ultimate motherly sacrifice to take care of her child, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing all those things, but, you know, you do it for, you know, your child. No, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing Les Mis, and just being heartbroken with Fantine's storyline. I knew, because I didn't see Les Mis when it first came out, I didn't see it when it first came out, so I knew Anne Hathaway had this big, you know, emotional number, and I knew that that shot was done in one shot. That's yeah, really her losing her hair. Her hair. Yeah, like, <laughs> she, shit. Yeah, so she had to have been feeling those emotions, but it's such a powerful scene. It's a powerful character. Um that really becomes, say, almost like a symbol of how selfless mothers can be, that they literally are willing to forego everything about themselves just to take care of their children. Um, because, as you said, she lost her hair, she lost her teeth, you know, she began selling herself. And 
it is during a time because I remember watching the movie and everyone's making the biggest deal, like, oh my god, she had her child out of wedlock, and you know, you hear, like, you know, people are single parents and no one blinks an eye. Yeah, <laughs> but back then it was like out of there the moment you found out she was pregnant. Yeah, and of course, it's always the woman's fault, you know? I mean, not the dude who literally just, like, upped and left, right? But if freaking Yeah, that was a powerful character, and I think definitely she deserves to be on this list. I almost forgot about that. And how... And aren't you a big fan of the French Revolution? You should have remembered. <laughs> oh, dude, I love the French Revolution so much. I think for me, it's because when I imagine the French Revolution in my head, it seems so much older. And so when you watch it, say, in the, the aspect of, like, Miz, where it does, even though it's, you know, very old, it does feel somewhat more modern, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, it seems more... Uh, it makes it feel... Even though it's a movie, it feels more, like, real. Like, you feel like you can relate to it easier than seeing, you know, uh, pictures, you know, like, paintings of the kings and the queen. You know, they, you know, seeing it as, you know, drawings rather than, you know, actual people acting it out. It makes it seem almost like a different world. Um, what should McCall say? <sighs> what was I going to say? What's the... I have somewhere to go. Not to... Uh, not to get too political, right? But during a certain election that just happened, when a certain candidate won, I definitely played the song from Les Mis, the one where they're all like, you know, waving the flags and everything and celebrating oh, sure. their revolution. Called, uh, I am. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up right now. I'm like, I can't think of it. Dude, I, I remember that song. That song's so powerful. It uh, is so powerful. What is it? I'm trying to look, and it's like, I don't remember any of these. <laughs> I just remember it always goes, uh, you have the the bad character that's always hunting down to Jean Valjean. Or Jean Valjean. I can't remember how to say his name. Uh, I think that was the main character. And then there's what the fuck was his name i don't remember <laughs> dude it's been so long and i'm horrible yeah. at french dude oh. I, I felt my french test i i'm i'm struggling busting it here okay oh do you hear the people sing that's the one evil characters like uh they will wet themselves with blood oh, like that was always such an intense line to me right so yes during a certain recent election when a certain candidate won and a certain candidate lost i definitely played that song in the background as my victory cry (laughs) (laughs) you know but i'll stay quiet on what so to not get too political on our podcast (laughs) um it's just funny. I've never heard someone like before you, right, who would say that they were so interested in reading about the French Revolution. It's not a bad thing. It's just when people are, say, researching wars or events, uh, you know, World War Two comes up, Vietnam, uh, the Renaissance and all that. Right. But no one talks maybe necessarily about the French Revolution. I just think that's very interesting because it is 
an interesting moment in time to learn about. I told uh, I told my French professor, I said, I'd be terrified to be a politician in France. I go, the French are like, and we'll do it again. And he just started <laughs> laughing. He goes, it's, it's true. He's like, it's true. We are very, uh, he goes, we are very uh, open about how we feel about our politicians. Where, what country was it where the whole thing happened with Anastasia? Russia. It was during the bourgeoisie, and the uh, it was when uh, basically they overthrew the upper class, and they, right. uh, yeah, 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 because that was when uh, com- well, I don't, I can't remember if it was strictly you know communism coming into play. Um, I know there was like a lead up of events of it, and I can't remember if the French Revolution happened first or that one happened first. Because all of it was like late 1800s, early 1900s that that happened. I can't remember the exact timing. I'm only saying because I would be afraid to be, say, an upper class person in Russia then. Because then I would just have the whole mindset of, they'll do it again. (laughs) It's like, it will do it. Not too wealthy. Yeah. God. (laughs) But um, what you call it. Great job on the number two. We are down to the number one on our top ten best moms in TV and movies. Let's go down the list until we get to our number one. We have Charlotte from Charlotte's Web, Aunt Pole from Peaky Blinders, Miss Honey from Matilda, Red from Orange is the New Black, Lois from Malcolm in the Middle, Olivia Benson from SVU, Kala from Tarzan, Linda from Bob's Burgers, Fantine from Les Mis, and I'm going to put Wanda from WandaVision. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I didn't see it coming, but I, now I see it. I, I see it right there. I'm going to do full spoilers, all right? I know you haven't seen it, but I also know you don't really mind spoilers. So for the people who are listening, full spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't watched it. But in WandaVision, you have Wanda, who after Endgame is absolutely heartbroken uh, over the loss of everyone, specifically Vision, the love of her life. Um, And it's really sad because you find out that Vision, before, say, the events of Infinity War, literally bought a plot of land in New Jersey for them to have a house to have a future with. Um, And so Wanda goes to this place in New Jersey and essentially creates her own world where her and Vision have a loving marriage and, you know, a good life. And then she gets pregnant. (laughs) Uh, Wanda gets pregnant at some point. Um, Did she get herself pregnant? (laughs) They never explain that. (laughs) The children real, by the way. Are the children technically real? No, no, they're not. Um, I mean, it's confusing (laughs) because in the show, right? Wanda creates this whole world around her, and you find out that the vision in the world is a vision that she's created out of herself from the mind stone. But this vision cannot leave the parameters of the world because he tries to, at some point he starts disintegrating. So 
he can't. So then she becomes pregnant and she has twins. And she is like the best mom. She loves her kids. She is like ultra protective mama bear right away. Um, anytime someone from the outside tries to come in and like fucks with her kids, she's pissed at it. Everything is like about the kids. The Halloween episode with her children is absolutely adorable. Um, and she's ultra alert about them all the time, right? And which calls it. And she's just like a really good mom because this is everything she's always wanted is having the love of her life and having children with him. She just wants this nice little life. And of course, as the series progresses, you find out that she really can't have this at all because it's not real. And she has to fight against the main villain, Agatha Harkness and all that, who actually takes her children at some point hostage. And that's when Wanda becomes the Scarlet Witch. It's amazing, the reveal. But again, this is where the spoilers come into play. Um, You know, at the end of the show, her and Vision kind of realizing that this isn't real. And she needs to kind of accept that and release the people from the town because there are real people in that town that are, have just been underneath her control this whole time. And, but this is realization that this vision will go away and also these children will go away. So the show ends with her tucking her kids in and her going to them, thank you for picking me to be your mom. And it's her and Vision downstairs looking at the walls coming in from her, like, border disappearing. And everyone disappearing. And then it's just her again. And I'm like, I can't. (laughs) You know what that makes me think of? Mm. Do you remember in Justice League the episode called, uh, which it's like for the man that has everything? And it's about, uh, you know, Superman gets a gift of, like, you know, that plant that ends up attaching itself to his chest, and it puts him into basically a coma. And in the coma, you know, he he's trying to, like, in it, you know, uh, Krypton, I think that's how you say it, was still alive, you know, that he's lived his entire life there. You know, that he's married to Lois Lane and has a son, you know, somehow, you know, she's there and he has a son and he loves his son, you know, but the thing is, is that they can't get this thing off of him, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman, and they're trying to get it off so desperately, but they, they can't, um, because what's his face? Um, I can't remember his name. He was a villain, you know, ended up doing it to him and, you know, in it. Superman is slowly realizing, you know, his father's the one that realized, you know, the planet was going to basically self-destruct. And in it, you know, he's kind of realizing that this place isn't real. And when he comes to that realization, you know, his son's like, you know, I'm scared, Dad. And he's like, I'm sorry, but you're not real. And he's just like so attached to the son that he has in that fake world and has to let him go, you know, to snap out of this coma. But it's like he loves the son so much, you know, it's so hard for him because he's basically letting him die, you know, in his mind. And it's like, that's what it kind of reminds me with Wanda. It's like, even though they're not real, it's like to her, they very much were real. Well, yeah. And the thing is, like, her sons also have powers, right? 
one of them has the power similar to Quicksilver, and then one of them has powers very similar to Wanda. So um, the creator of WandaVision, I believe, confirmed that at the end, the one son who has the tele, you know, the telepathy powers knew that that was going to happen. Like knew that this what was happening to them. Um, but the confusing part comes. The confusing part comes in because after the show, in the end credits, because at this point Wanda has found out she's the Scarlet. She is like the all knowing, all powerful being, stronger and more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme, aka Doctor Strange. So there's a scene at the very end where she's studying this book, like this dark book and everything, right? And she's sitting there very similar to how like Doctor Strange does when he's like floating in air, kind of like, you know, going through things. And she's doing that and you hear mom and it's like from one of her children, it's like, are her kids real? Did she find a way to like bring them out from that fictional world into the real world? Like what's going on? <laughs> I hope she does. Cause that's going to be fucking sad. If not, <laughs> it sucks. Cause she sent me. That's so fucking sad. Tia. I sent Brittany the scene where Wanda tells the boys, you know, thank you for choosing me to be your mom. I'm like, I can't deal with it. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, she was just such a great mom in this. And the show was very much, say, a family show. Just her, like, literally all Wanda wanted was to just be with Vision and have some children. And that's all she wanted. And it's like, you couldn't even give her that. <laughs> oh, no. They, he took everything from me. I don't even know who you are. You, you will. will. <laughs> Wanda has the best lines. I'm sorry. That's great. <laughs> you know what? And I thought she was going to go one-off because her brother, you know, and it makes sense that she would have twins since, you know, hereditary to have <laughs> twins if she's a twin. And I never really pieced that together until I was like, oh, yeah, she had a brother. Oh, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the show kind of plays around with that as well because they bring in the actor who played Quicksilver in the Fox universe to play quote unquote, her brother is not spoiler alert again. It's not her real brother, but it's just funny that they kind of toyed around with that. But um, yeah, I'm glad that she's not a one-off and this show kind of redacted some things because now they can, now that Disney owns Fox, right? So in this they're full on, saying, no, you're Scarlet Witch. You've had powers even before you were experimented on. Those just kind of unlocked it. But actually, the reason why that bomb never went off isn't just because it happened to never go off. It didn't go off because you subconsciously were willing it to not go off. Uh, that's fucking insane. She's, like, way too strong. She OP. When they say uh, Captain Marvel and Thor are the strongest Avengers, it's like Wanda just busts down the door and says, surprise, bitch. <laughs> I think at some point they're like, we want more strong female character. And they're like, we already gave you one. And it's like before everything is like, who? And it's like Scarlet Witch. And they're like, no, she's not strong. And then you go on later. You're like, oh, uh-huh. yeah. 
Okay, right. I see it now. I mean, she kind of says it right in Civil War. She says something to um, Black Widow along the lines of, you know I can move things with my mind, right? But then as the stuff went on, it's like, no, 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 no. She doesn't just move things with her mind. Like, WandaVision really showed how strong she was. She literally created an entire town to herself. Not only created an entire town, controlled everyone in that town, and then created a vision, and then created children. What the hell? What the hell? I love the macaroni with the cheese. (laughs) Uh, The whole entire time I was watching the show, I was like, "I love you." (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so Blonde is definitely my number one choice for top ten moms in TV show and movies. Before we wrap everything up here, Brittany, do you have any honorable mentions that you'd like to put out there? I think all I had was the ones where I was kind of confused with. Um, I was going to do Mrs. Brisby from The Secret of Nim, um, Andy's mom from Toy Story. Um, I was also going to do Helen Parr from The Incredibles. Uh, oh, I'm going to go with freaking Debbie from Invincible. I love her. <laughs> strong Dylan was so much bullshit. I was going to say, you're not going to put um, the woman from Invincible? You've been loving that. love Debbie. She, she's intense. There's like, I love it Like when you know you do see them getting to arguments, and it's like, she's like, I don't care that you're the world's strongest man. I'll put my foot down, bitch. <laughs> I will fucking put my foot down. You don't even know. Um, <laughs> you don't even know. Um, my honorable mentions would be Michonne. From The Walking Dead, because I loved her relationship with Carl. I didn't get to see much of the Judith years, like, but I mean, I saw when when she was an infant and Michonne would take care of her. But I know that they had a much like more expansive relationship as Judith got older. But just even the way Michonne was with Carl just showed me enough. She was such she was a better mother. (laughs) <laughs> to Carl than Lori was. I don't oh, know if you remember she... Lori, but <laughs> Lori was not that great of a mom. <laughs> she yeah, was always she was, too, she was too busy, busy bumping uglies with Shane and then that being is, mad at him. That is very true. That's very true. Can we blame her? Um, but oh, And then I was going to do Morticia Adams from the Adams Family because like we love the Adams Family. And I know that I put this probably on the last list, so I didn't want to put it on the main list, but as an honorable mention, I, of course, have to put Freya, Thor's mom. Oh, that was from the last one. I remember, God, it's been a long time. A year. <laughs> Since the last one. A year, an exact year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, Freya was an awesome mom to Thor, so I really like that. But, um... Yeah, Brittany, this has been a great um, top 10 moms in movies and TV shows. I hope everyone who's listening spends a great Mother's Day with their moms and mom figures. Remember, a mom can be anyone. Um, And that's amazing. So, Brittany, before I let you go today, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you, what you got going on? gonna say you can always find me on twitch at itty bitty brit i uh just recently well by recently 
last night I had 2,000 followers and I'm really excited about it. Except I'm dreading it because I made a deal that if I hit 2,000 followers, I was going to play Five Nights at Freddy VR and <laughs> I'm going to throw up, Tia. I'm going to throw up. I'm not excited for it, but I am excited to have hit 2,000 and to have fun with everyone. And you can also find me at Itty Bitty Brit zero at gmail not gmail why did i say gmail <laughs> fucking twitter dude my brain is rotted i ate so much biffin bop before this fucking podcast i am i'm full and happy uh, everyone please make sure that you check that out Brittany is a very dedicated streamer who spends much of her time entertaining you all so please check that out i was gonna say if i filmed how much gta 5 <laughs> I played I could have like had a little switch career uh, on that shit uh, but yeah, I don't know if I, wa- I don't know if I want to beat the game again for a third time because I'm on my second time so <laughs> and I beat it already so which McCall said but as for me um, please make sure if you're not subscribed already please subscribe to our YouTube page which is geek fives podcast we are only a few followers away from hitting a thousand followers, which would be awesome. Um, I have tons of interviews there. All of our top tens are there. So please make sure you check that out as well as following us. Geek5snation.com has links to all of our social media accounts. You can find my Twitter and Instagram TC underscore Stark. Um, please make sure you check that out. And yeah, let us know who you think is a top 10 mom in TV and movies. Um, if you recently watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.